how did you start the home church? What were the first things you did? I mean, made some disciples, start drinking mm-hmm. beer with guys after work. What, I mean, what did you do? So I, I kind of stumbled into it. When I came back to New York, I was still very much uh, discerning whether or not God was really calling me to church planting. Everyone I talked to about church planting told me not to do it. They said it's hard, uh, especially in New York. They said, you know, it's just not going to be feasible. Uh, They had a lot of feedback about just the current landscape of the church in America, none of which is wrong. But I was, I couldn't help but shake that kind of thing that God had put on my heart. And among all the voices of people who were saying, don't do it. And they were all talking about circumstantial things. People are always thinking about the environment, the kind of uh, situational things that are, that are difficult and which are true. Uh, thankfully there were some voices there who knew me and knew my heart and encouraged me to consider, keep pursuing it. Uh, through one of those connections, I was connected with uh, my now good friend, Russell Rader, who is the uh, lead planter at Reunion NYC, which is a new church plant in another part of Manhattan in Union Square. And we we met up, uh, and this was way before Russell even had a core team, uh, church plant, and we just immediately connected about everything that we hated and loved about the church. Uh, and uh, you know how it is when two young pastors get together and think they can save the world. Uh, and from there, uh, I, my wife and I were the first two members of the core team. I think we were the first two members and we, we, this was in 2019 and it was early 2020. So we had started doing all these things to start getting ready to launch. And the plan was for us to launch this church that, uh, we were, we were talking about that Russell was preparing to launch in 2020. And I remember that the, there was the first time that we had a, a, like a, a gathering of people that wasn't just our core team. It was the night that the NBA canceled their 2020 season. And I remember leaving that dinner. We were so excited about starting this church. We knew that we thought we were going to cover the city with the gospel. Uh, and of course, someone was like, hey, did you hear the, the NBA canceled their season? I remember thinking, well, that's crazy. Why would they do that? And of course, that was the beginning of the pandemic. And I was with Reunion um, all through the pandemic, 2019, 2020, into 2021. And the reason why I was part of this core team was because I thought, you know what, let me be a part of a church plant. Let me see, let me get in on the ground floor, see what it's about. And if it's as difficult as people say it is, if it's as bad as everyone said it, says it is, then I'll figure it out and there'll be no loss. If I, if I decide I, church planting isn't for me, I'm just another guy who'd left the church plant. That happens all the time, right? I'm not the pastor who'd stepped down from a church plant, but going through, uh, you know, a year and a half of us, the core team meeting online of starting online services, the worst, ver- what people, you know, not, I want to say the worst version of the church, but it wasn't the version of church that we wanted, uh, you know, trying to f- every month, it felt like trying to figure out what we were doing. It was hard. Uh, and all credit to Russell. He's a great guy, amazing perseverance. Uh, but I came out of it and I thought, you know what? I still enjoy this. And during that time, God, I was living in a slightly different neighborhood in New York City. During that time, I was creating kind of organic relationships with people in my neighborhood. And because of all the rules around the pandemic and about who you can spend time with, you were forced to really 
uh, hone in on just a few people. You couldn't go out and hang out with 20 different people, which is as an extrovert, something I love. I would, I would, I enjoy hanging out with 20, 30 people at a time, but instead I was forced to really just not go out anywhere special, but just be in someone's home, just maybe two or three of us and, and just talk. And the challenges of life during the pandemic actually brought out some really great conversations, which led to conversations about, well, what do we, why isn't the church what it is why well why is the church what it is why isn't it what we think it is why isn't the kingdom of god what we feel it should be why isn't community in new york as beautiful as we want it to be and we began to have these conversations and so i really stumbled into this group i didn't i wasn't trying to go out and recruit people it was just the people that god gave me and at a certain point about summer 2021 uh, i realized you know what this is this is this is the beginnings of a church god has given me people who uh it was a mix of there, you know, of people who were Christian their entire life, but maybe not attending a church right now. To one guy who wouldn't isn't even a Christian. He wouldn't call himself a Christian, but he he asked the best questions. I'd say uh, if I could choose anyone in the group, that's probably the most Christian who was asking the best questions or being the most thoughtful. It's the non-Christian, of course. And so I said, you know, I, I went to Russell, uh, and I we had a, many long conversations about what this meant, and we decided that it would be best for me to focus on one thing. Uh, at that point, Reunion was working up towards their first real, you know, Sunday gathering with the whole shebang. And there was no way that I could be a part of that as well as begin to church plant in my neighborhood. It was definitely tears, definitely some sorrow, but uh, we parted ways. I still have really great relationships with Reunion um, and still consider them real part of my spiritual family here in the city, but began to focus on this group. And then I had to then figure out what am I doing with this group? Uh, I didn't know about, I didn't, I, I, I didn't have a concept of home church. I just knew that God was like, Hey, here's this group of like six, seven people. Uh, they're in your neighborhood. Uh, they're already spending a lot of time with you. They're asking questions. They want to know more, do something with them. And, uh, that, and so it's, I'm very much falling into this by mistake. I'm, I, I'm, I never, I didn't, I'm, when I'm meeting with my denomination now, when I'm meeting with people now, um, I'm creating these plans. They always want, oh, give us your 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 vision plan, your perspectives. And I'm, I'm sitting there writing it up after the fact, I mean, just describing what we've been doing, not saying, not coming up with this grand plan, but just describing this is what's happening. We're just, you know, I'm meeting people in my neighborhood and going from there. Now, I have a friend in Alabama who needed needed financial help. When, when he, he moved, he made a big move, sold a house in another state, moved to Alabama. It's actually his hometown. Got hooked up with the denomination. Uh, the people at the very top uh, really believe in home church, micro church, all that. The local people who had the purse strings didn't. Mm -hmm. And they, they, they advanced him some money. And then he began to realize he was, he was going to try to do a prevailing model church. And it was right in the middle of COVID and it wasn't going to work. I mean, you couldn't even meet publicly at the time. Uh, as soon as the lockdown were, was over, he, we were talking and he decided he was going to do a, a, a block party, a barbecue in two, two blocks in his neighborhood, two, the circumference of both blocks. Mm -hmm. And then he, he thought, well, maybe too many people will show up if I do that. So he cut it down to both sides of the street on the one, one, you know, on the block he's on. 80 people 
came to the block party the following Wednesday night, he had 40 people in his house. He, he actually had a house. Oh, wow. Well, then he got into conflict with the denominational guys because they're pressing for the lunch large and, you know, we gave you money and we want you to advertise and throw off the big deal and all that. But this is like several weeks in, he's having rich fellowship with these people. Uh, a lot of kids, almost half half the group are, are little kids and that's crazy for, you know, especially trying to do that in the house. Mm -hmm. And so he's a little, you know, he, I mean, he's been a seminary. He's, he's done the, the other thing really well three different times. He, in fact, he's pulled churches out of the hole three times. And now he's conflicted because he's having this really, really rich fellowship with these people in a home church. The denomination is breathing down his neck. The, the guys at the top are going, yeah, we love it. Keep doing it. You know, make more of them. The yep. local guys are going, hey, we give you money. We, we expect this out of you. And he just got upset and angry. And, and he mm -hmm. backed off of everything. In the middle of all this, God gave him a job. I mean, those of us that have been to seminary, we're not trained to do very much. You know what? Sell <laughs> used cars. Uh, it, it, you know, sometimes in my moments of despair, the only thing that, that caused me to persevere was the fact that, that I didn't know how to make an honest living outside the church. And so um, he gets this incredible sales job. And it's a mm -hmm. job that doesn't require a whole lot of time. It's, it's more servicing people who need his product. And the, the, the dollars are eye-popping. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's like, God loves you, buddy. You know, you, you, so, um, and so the writing's kind of on the wall that, that the Lord is endorsing the, health, the home church. Go mm -hmm. for it. And so, you know, he's, he's, he's back at that. And I think, um, and then the interesting thing is, he had a blowout with the people who were giving him trouble. And finally, it was mm -hmm. down to, look, this is what I'm doing. I, either we're doing business together or we're not. Because I, I had to talk him out of, through this thing one day. I go, look, if you took their money and you did a prevailing model church, you advertised the whole thing, and it all blew up and nothing, because that does happen. You know, mm -hmm. I, I talked to a guy who had a, who had his, his startup budget was a, a million and a quarter, a hundred, a yeah. $250,000. And he decided that he wanted to go the micro church route and plant a bunch of them. And he started doing that and they're all mad at him. So I asked the guy, I go, so what, they're going to put you in jail if, if the church blew apart? No, I wouldn't do that. And I go, well, then just, just go do what you're doing. And, and, and report just what you just said, Ben. Go back and report back to them. Well, we had our first service. And this is how many people came. Um, mm -hmm. They'll get over it. So he went back and told the guys this. And, 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 and the sparks flew. They started to get angry. And, and so he got angry. And he goes, look, this is where it's at. This is where I am. Either you want to do business with me or don't. And turn the tables completely. You want to get on board? fine. You don't want to be on board. I'm happy with that. Um, I don't need your money. Um, we're, we're doing what we're doing. And, and now they're his greatest cheerleaders. They're thrilled at what he's doing because it's so, there's such a burden to this thing that we've built that we call church in America. It's so institutional. And I think where we got, we got off the beam, even with church planting, you know, uh, Pete Wagner, was actually a part of our church way back in the 1970s. And he's the one with the famous statement that the best 
evangelistic tool on earth is a new church. Mm. But so often today when we plant a new church, all we do is play musical chairs with the with the 30% of America that are Christians. And we're not doing evangelism. People are embarrassed. It's become a, a socially inappropriate thing to share your faith, uh, politically incorrect. People are backing mm -hmm. off. So we're needing to find new ways of, of, of sharing life with people and new ways of defining what we're going to call church if we're going to go forward and we're going to, to not just survive, but prevail in America. Mm -hmm. And I really believe that people like you are the ones who are what you're doing right now, uh, how, however you scale it up. And I hope that you do. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, th I think that, especially in a, I mean, I've only been to New York twice, but I know, I know most of the people don't live on the ground floor of anything. It's, 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 <laughs> no. it's apartments and condos everywhere. And I, I can remember, I'm really old and, and I can remember <laughs> in the 19, uh, early 60s when I was in a Bible college and they started building in near downtown Los Angeles because at that time, LA is just like a sea of small towns. And they started building high rises, condos. Yeah. And we we realized because in in those days, if you want to start a church, you went knocking on doors, and you mm. know left literature at people's houses or whatever, talk to them. You couldn't knock doors in the condo because you couldn't get in the building. And so we were like in despair at first. You know how are we going to get you know? And then begin to realize if if you make friends with one person in that building. And they make friends with other people in that building. Right. You could start a home church in, in every high-rise building. You could probably start one on every floor of large buildings <laughs> if yeah. you have the vision and, and the, the ability to do that. But to me, again, I keep coming back to this business of uh, if, if you're a slave to the dollar, uh, then, mm -hmm. then you don't have the ability to permeate the culture. If you're free from right. the dollar, you have the ability to, 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 to take it one person, one disciple at a time. And then every mm -hmm. so often you, you, you stumble into that person of peace who's got a lot of friends that they have influence over. And, and now you got another potential church planter on your hands. Um, I, I'm very excited for you. Talk to me about where you're at right now, because mm -hmm. I'm assuming it's still quite small. Mm -hmm. And then your plans, are, are you hoping one day to rent a building and make a big deal? Or are you hoping to multiply? Um, mm -hmm. What are you thinking? Right. Yeah. So it's actually related to what we were just talking about. Uh, so my plan is not to have a building. And because the reason that the, it's a very practical, well, it's practical and I think theological. Practical being if we are slaves to the dollar in New York City, churches are slaves to their rent or their mortgage. Uh, real estate is so expensive in the city. And if you're a church, you, you need to meet on the ground floor. You can't, it's, it's really hard as a traditional church to expect people to come in through security, go up an elevator. It's, it's hard. And so you're not, you're, you're competing against, you know, multi-million, multi-billion dollar companies and in, in cafes and restaurants for that space. So my, so with what our hope is, is that with home churches, you already have a space. Everyone, I mean, not everyone has a home, but people have homes and what my hope is to 
fill our tiny one bedroom apartment here in the city. And when we get to the place where we can't fit any more people in our living room, the traditional answer would have been, oh, now it's time to go raise some money so we can find a building or a space to rent. But what if we threw that out and said, you know what, why don't we become two home churches meeting in two different homes? And when those home churches grow, not through big evangelistic crusades, but through what you were talking about, those one-on-one relationships that come from us just being in the world, when those home churches, those two home churches get to say 20 people, which is, if you have a New York City apartment that could fit 20 people, you're you're living in a yeah. big apartment. Um, so I was thinking about that guy with 40 people. If 40 people showed up in my apartment, we'd be in trouble. Yeah. Um, but when those two apartment um, home churches grow, what if they split? And my hope is to see multiplying home churches. And, and I would love to be in a place where I don't even have to pastor a home church. I could just attend a home church in my home or someone else's home. And, and I would love to just be able to disciple and support the people who are leading these various home churches. And I would love to see home churches in every neighborhood in New York City and in the surrounding areas. That's my hope. Uh, not to have a building, uh, not even maybe have a website. Uh, but just to be supporting people coming together. And then that's a practical reason, right? Real estate is expensive, but theologically, I think that a lot of times, well, not in America, we've begun to think about church as an institution rather than a homecoming, right? The reason why I believe Christ came is to bring us back home. The father has, he has rooms for us in his home. We had this relationship with our father and we messed it up and we can't fix it, but our God came to fix it with us. And there is something symbolic about bringing people into our homes. In New York City, where in interior space is so limited, people really protect their homes. And I think that's the safe, same for anywhere in America. People bringing someone into your home is to expose yourself in a way. You know, they're going to see if you're messy. They're going to see if things are not well kept. Uh, that's why we, that's why people, that's why my mom always stressed out so much when anyone from our church would come over and it made us you know, change everything about our home as if we weren't these, you know, we had yeah. three boys. Uh, <laughs> and so there is something also, I think we can show people by bringing people in. And then the, it's also tied in with the way that I believe that evangelism has to happen in the 21st century, which is uh, to say that we have to operate within the context that we are. We can't go knocking on people's doors uh, literally but also nobody, if you walk up to someone on the street, if you walk up to someone in a public space these days, they're not, they're not going to be interested in talking to you. They're going to run away, uh, literally. But the one thing that we've been talking a lot about in our home church and in, in, in many with all the other church planners as well is to help our, our teams, um, other believers begin to identify where has God already placed you? I think people take for granted where they are. People take their workplaces for granted. People take their cafes for granted. I mean, we, we have Christians who are probably spending more on their coffee every month than they are tithing. And they're not thinking about, well, you're a regular at that coffee shop. Why not begin to build relationships? And it doesn't, and I'm, one of the things I'm trying to really teach or not, I, want to, I don't want to say teach, but disciple and, 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 model is that it's not about you don't you don't have to present the gospel the first time you meet someone right. what if you just took it to the next level yeah. so you're already talking with this person every single morning when you get your coffee and you're talking about the weather what if you just took it to the next level and had a real conversation asked them about their family and once you do that for a while why don't you begin to ask them if there's any pain or troubles things that they could be praying for you don't have to pray with them in the moment just say hey um you know i pray i know that you love your your brother your sister there's some problems there I'm going to be praying for you. And then building the relationship. It's not 
it's not going to bring a thousand people into church the next day, but if you can bring that one person to church, I mean, that's beautiful. And, and frankly, that's, a, that's more than what most churches in America are doing ever, right? We're mostly doing transfer growth. So that's my heart, not to have a building, not to see a thousand people come to Christ in one night. But if I could find a few people in my neighborhood, I could invest in their lives, become genuinely interested in what they're doing. And in that process, because Christ is living in me, they begin to see the Christ in their midst. Hopefully they'll be, I think the gospel is beautiful enough that they'll, they're, they're going to come in. They're going to be invited to the home. I'm going to say, Hey, come hang out with us. And that's how I hope that we can have, see churches, see, and, I, and it's important that I also don't believe that this is the only model for church, but this is the model. This is what I want to do. This is what God has called me to do. So okay. Ben, I understand that uh, part of what you guys are doing with the new church is a podcast. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So our podcast is called Real Church People. And by the time this will come out, you should be able to find it on any of the apps that you use to listen to podcasts, whereas Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. And what it is, it's real conversations with real people, not professional Christians, real people about real life and church life, trying to get to that third space that isn't purely, you know, the thing that we call real life, where we secularize it. And it's not about this place where we go and act like good Christians do, but it's about that place in between where we're trying to make sense of what it is to be a Christian in the world and make sense of why it's so hard to be a Christian sometimes. Uh, makes makes talk about the questions that we may have that we're too afraid to ask in church. Uh, the first com- we had a conversation with a friend of mine who is went to seminary with me and she's not a Christian anymore and talking about how that journey went, why she arrived at that place, things like that. Uh, most recently I had a conversation with a musician who is a, you know, he's a very serious jazz musician, but leading worship in church, which he reached, he himself called uncool began to transform his understanding of music. And this is as a, a real serious jazz musician. So those are the kind of conversations we're hoping to have with people. Uh, so that way they can realize that Christianity or the gospel isn't about just this thing that we do on Sunday mornings. It's about life. So Ben, tell us the name again, because there are people who are going to want to make contact with you. The podcast is Real Church People. You can find it anywhere you find your podcasts. You can also go to realchurchpeople.com. That's good. And then I don't know if you're willing to do this, but if somebody had a specific question, would it be possible for them to email you? Yeah, they could. You could email uh, realchurchpeople at gmail.com or uh, best way is actually there's going to there's an Instagram, realchurchpeople, and you can just connect with us on Instagram. Thanks. Great. Thanks a lot for doing this. <laughs> Thanks so much, Ralph.